What's going on, folks? Welcome to 34 Questions. Today's guest is a very special guest. Um, she, we crossed paths uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Haven't gotten to see her, see her in a while. Uh, I'd like to welcome Flora onto the show. How you guys doing? Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, Glad you're here. Thank you for your time again. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you for your advice. You know, uh, at the time when... When we both, you know, I, I had that meeting with you. I think you, oh, gave, yeah. you gave me some uh, really good advice that I think has led up to this point for me, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the whole thing about uh, my ancestors trying to reach me uh, really stuck with me. It's always been on my mind ever since then. And um, they've become a bigger part of my life for sure since that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's, it's a game changer, you know. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, so yeah, we'll do a few intro questions just to warm up and okay. set set the tone. Um, okay. And yeah, if you have any, uh, you know, if you need me to elaborate more, just let me know. And uh, yeah. So okay. the first question is, how have you been? Um, it's been a while uh, since I've seen you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been walking around for like the past year or at least the past six months, saying to people, you know, that's one of the all-time hardest questions. Mm. How are you doing? It's like, what level or layer do I answer from? And there's that knee-jerk reaction, say, fine. And then you're thinking, no, I'm not. And then yeah. you're like, oh, but I can't say everything right, right away. And it's a lot, it's a lot. And I've found I've had whole conversations just around that question and answering it. So how am I doing? It's a mixed bag. I mean, on the one hand, I've been weirdly fantastic, which, you know, that, I don't know what that's about, you know. I got but you. It, yeah, but it's like, I've been going through it. You know, it's been the, the best and the worst. I, I have to say right off the bat, since it's been almost a year now, since my daughter and I started quarantining together, it's shown me how much I love my daughter, mm. you know, yeah. because she I mean, when you can quarantine for a year in a little teeny apartment and not kill each other or get too badly on each other's nerves, that's love. That's my new definition of love. That's special. It is special. special. Yeah. And the lows have been really low. Her dog, my grand dog, he passed in September. Oh, no. Oh, no. So hard. So hard. So painful. So sad. And, um... So it's, it's the mixture of anything I'd say, how I've been is the importance of life has risen to the surface and stayed there. That's going to be my answer. I got yeah, you. I like it. it took all that though, to get that answer out. You see? No, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. I, I appreciated the way you answered that, you know, Thank uh, you. I, th I think that was a good breakdown. Uh, I know how have you been, it can be a loaded question for a lot Ooh. of people. So yeah. depending on where they are in life as well too. Right. Um, True. Always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. Um, you mentioned something. I wish it would come back to me. I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper, but it's all right. It's all right. It, okay. No, in terms of, uh, now I'm curious. <laughs> now me too. Me too. Now it's a fleeting, a fleeting thought, which happens to everybody. Yes, <laughs> yes it does. <laughs> for sure. It, hopefully it comes back by the end, but, uh, okay, cool. My second question for you is, what would you like the audience to know about you? Oh, okay. Um, I 
do and love to do energy work. That's what I do. I do, which when, when you were referring to when we met before, I did an intuitive reading for you. And I love to do intuitive readings. I love to do Reiki. I love to clean people's energy with a feather. I love the work I do. I absolutely adore it. And it sustains me and fills my heart and makes life really seem important. For sure. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. Can you um, just a brief description of what Reiki is? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. Reiki is, you know, er, yeah, everybody talks about it, but to really say what it is, everything is energy. And so Reiki becomes what I'd call the manipulation of energy. And so what happens is people, humans, their energy gets blocked in certain ways. It could be blocked in your lungs. It can be blocked in your heart. It could be blocked in your throat. That happens to a lot of people. And what you need to do is get the energy flowing and moving. So you come to someone like me who will put their hands on you and do a lot of stuff that seems kind of weird, but nothing really invasive or whatever. You don't have to take your clothes off. It's all very safe and, and all that. But I move the energy because that's what it is. Energy gets stuck and you want it to move. That's the simple, simple way of putting it. It's more though, you can go and get Reiki because you're working on an emotional problem, because you're physically hurt, because you're spiritually hurt. It works on everything because energy is everything and it's everywhere. I'm definitely feeling that for sure. I'm uh, glad. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, energy is, uh, I don't know, It's it's been that, that uh, trigger word for me lately as far as, um, you know, what I prioritize, you know, it, it's just what energy I can bring and um, also just taking in the energy of others and um, just being aware, aware of that. Yeah. That you hit on something really important because the thing that I think has come up in so many conversations for me recently is all of this time has taught us, hopefully, to be really aware that everybody's in all kinds of different places and you should never assume and you don't know where someone's energy is and before you just throw their stuff on them you might want to be respectful and ask i mean i just think it's teaching us to be a little more sensitive and thoughtful to all the complexities of life that any given human being is dealing with at any time no matter what age for sure for sure and that that question i had for you came back through that answer and it was um so you had talked about the importance of life coming up to the surface and it's, and it's here. You think yeah. it's going to stay there or is... No, nothing yeah. stays the same. I mean, impermanence is the way. Mm. If it's great, it's not going to stay that way. If it's bad, it's not going to stay that way. So it comes up to the... I always think of the ocean. I think of what humans came out of, the ocean. And you think of the ebb and the flow. You know, you think of the waves and the undertow. That's more like life. I gotcha. So if it's really good, you know, it'll rise to the surface and then it'll sink back down again, but it will rise again. And human consciousness itself is incredibly slow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you were saying, I was hoping I would say something else. No, it's not swift and fast. It's slow like a slug. It's slow like a slow slug. Okay. Okay. And at times like this, though, and in the age of Aquarius, you sometimes get a little bit motion going that's a little bit faster than the usual real slow stuff so that's what we're experiencing too i gotcha um is was is there another i guess time frame that you maybe had noticed that the um our this importance has has been around like oh 
well, you know, I'm not an astrologer. I always like to point that out. I'm not an astrologer, but from what I've heard astrologers saying mm -hmm. is that the time period we're in right now is very similar to the time period of the early 60s, and it's very similar to other powerful time periods in history. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, that's why astrology is so brilliant to get into because you can really kind of forecast what's ahead. Not exactly, because humans always have to play out in their own special fashion, but it's like energetically we knew something big was coming January 6th and didn't it? Okay? Mm -hmm. So things like that. I yeah. got you. I got you. Crazy. That's crazy. Thank you for oh, uh, very dropping crazy. knowledge yeah. on me for sure. Uh, <laughs> my third question is, uh, are, are you living the dream? I like that question because it makes me have to own my deepest truth. If you, I'm not just saying because I woke up this morning and I was breathing. That is a really good reason though. Mm -hmm. But because I hold hope in my heart, that is the dream. The dream I've gotten, I'm 60, I'm 62 in May. I'm really clear the dream's not going to come down to physical form like money or a house or whatever. To me, dream is your spirit. Do you feel happy to be engaged with life, even if it's not going perfectly? Do you still feel like you got skin in the game? Do you feel important? Do you feel you matter? If those things exist, life's a miracle and you're partaking in it. For sure. I love that answer. I love that answer. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it's always interesting to up to this question. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of my guests take it a different way, you know. And uh, Really? What do they do with it? You know, a lot of people, I would say maybe 40% of them have been asking me, um, well, not asking me, but telling me that what is a dream? You know, is uh, well, how do you define it? And for each person, they define it differently. Right. Yeah, each yeah. Yes, and it can change. I'm sure if you asked me my five-year-old dream, it's kind of different from my 61-year-old dream, but not that different in a way. Sure, you know? for sure. It's like I've held on to a lot of ideals. When, my was, when I was six years old one time, my mother asked me, she said, if you could create a work of art that was so incredible, all people had to do was to look at it and experience it and you changed all the problems in the world you actually healed the world but here's the catch there's always a but you can't let anybody know it was you would you do this could you do this and my answer i haven't changed from what i answered at six yes i could do it yes i would want to do it that thrills me i know no one's stepping up and asking me to lose my life for the sake of the planet but like if they did i'd be ready that's how i do life that's dope. That's a crazy question to ask a six-year-old, too. Uh, <laughs> well, she's a special woman, let me tell you. No, <laughs> I've no been doubt. asked all kinds of crazy questions. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to have to use that. I'm, I'm going to oh, ask some kids do. for sure. It's really a beautiful one. And people have to stop and think, because, you know, until I hear one person say, because I've never heard anybody say this, but until I hear one person say, you know, I couldn't do that, I will know that's one of the most honest people I've ever met. Because mm. it's easy to want to do it. But do you think you could is the real question. Interesting. Yeah. Think yeah. of how badly we like credit. Think of how badly we gotta let everybody know it was us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, big... yeah. Now you, you just made me reflect on, on, on what I'm doing right now, this podcast. Oh and, good. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um <laughs> Yeah, eventually, you know, I'd, I'd rather I'd, I'd want it to, to be less about, you know, I guess less of my face on, on this uh, because I do think the purpose is a little bit bigger. And uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, I'll be thinking about that. <laughs> well, let it be your face and the other face, because you got a beautiful face and you should put it up there. And it's very expressive and it's very kind to look at. So always have your face up there. That's my two cents. Put the other person's too, but have yours up there, okay? Don't cut yourself out. Appreciate it for it. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> okay, try. I got your blessing now, but you try. Okay? Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. Um, my fourth question is, what would you like your descendants to know about you? Um, you know, just think a couple of generations down. I, I, you probably heard me explain the question before, but, you know, for me, when I'm trying to figure out who I am, I would think about my ancestors and what they were like. And I wondered if they were anything like me. So if, if you have a descendant out there that maybe is trying to find themselves and trying to figure out who they are, what would you like them to know about you that, you know, they could maybe feel they could relate to? I would love it if they, if in finding out about me, they suddenly, something clicks inside of them and they're like, yeah, she's someone I could have been. And because that's the way I feel about them, I would love for them to think, whoa, she was a badass. Okay, that okay. means a lot to me. She was a badass. She told anybody what she thought. She went and did all the things that you're always told you can't do. Mm -hmm. That part, I love that. I just want them to think I was an all-around badass. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. for sure. And someone to connect to, because that's the other thing, too. Reach out to me. I'm all for that intergenerational connecting. I hope they'll reach out to me when they hear about me. For sure. And in whatever way we link or sync up, we'll meet. Do you mind me asking if um, you've had that kind of experience with any of your ancestors? I have. As a matter of fact, that's how I found out who my guardian angel is, because she's actually my great-great-grandmother, who was from Ireland, and oh. came to this country in the early 1800s, met a black, became an, a maid in Atlanta, and um, she met a freedman. They married and settled out in Mississippi and had four kids. And then two of them did a thing called passing. That's where you go away. You leave your family and you pose for white because being biracial, they decided they looked more white or they could pass for white. Wow. So they took left. This is a huge thing. America doesn't even teach in its history classes. Okay. No, 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 no. Passing was colossal. And think of how many masters bred with their slaves. Have you met a black Washington in your life? Hmm. No. You haven't yeah. met too many white uh, or no, you've met black Washingtons. You haven't met white Washingtons, have you? You're right. George you're was right. a very busy dude, okay? I got George you. George talked a lot. He did. So did Jefferson. Go down Jackson. Go down all the ones. Big plantation owners. Wow. Many, 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 many kids, which means many descendants. I got you. All of that. So back to me and my great-great-grandmother. So she came from Ireland the first time. And, I'll be, and when you asked me, Lori, can I ask you this? Just for the record, you can ask me anything, anytime you want, because that's how I move forward. So I was 12 and I was suicidal. And I was about to stab a knife into my heart because I had had enough of life. And I, the only way I can describe it is I felt someone on the other end of the handle pulling back saying, not on my watch. And that was my great, great grandmother. Wow. And I, the first time I felt it was when I was six years old and I was talking myself out of, I was talking my way out of a very precarious situation. And she showed up in my left ear and said, stick to your answer, stick to your answer. That was the first I had a connection to her. And then I recognized her again six years later at 12. 
and I've felt her ever since. And oh, here's the interesting part. When I first thought of her, and when I do readings, I usually don't get names. That's not my thing. I can't come up with the name. But when I first thought of her at 12 years old, I thought of the name Lena. And I don't know why I thought of Lena, but I just did. And years later, we don't know her last name or where in Ireland she came from, but we know her first name, and it's Lenore. Wow. <laughs> well, she was talking to me, wasn't she? Yes, she is, and yes, she does. I have a picture of her on my altar today. That's that's just bananas. <laughs> but that, thank, <laughs> thank you for that story. Thank you for that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's. I wonder how often ancestors are trying to reach us sometimes. Oh, you know? I would think all the time we're their agenda. How often do you work on your agenda? Hmm. From what any do you place. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is your agenda is your most important thing. So, of course, they're working on us. We uh. are their agenda. As a matter of fact, I heard it put, and I love this you are the sum total of all of your ancestors' efforts. Now, don't let that kill your ego, but take it in. That's monumental, isn't it? Yeah. It's a huge mm. job. I've often described myself when I walk around, I feel like a Verizon commercial. They're all just like, <laughs> pyramid of people behind me these are my ancestors they walk with me they mm -hmm. have a lot invested in me i have a lot to do as a result no doubt i uh yeah you, the way you described it like uh the verizon commercials definitely starting to feel that way more and more recently yeah so, i'm sure yeah yeah which is awesome <laughs> it's a good feeling it is awesome it is yeah um you know, colonization taught us not to respect our ancestors because maybe they didn't know how to respect theirs, but we didn't have that affliction. And so we've really got to bring this richness back into our lives because a lot of us got robbed of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And colonization, that's a that's a whole nother topic. another whole topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't asked guests yet, but if there's passionate stuff that you'd like to talk about, um, and I'm always open to learn and listen. So we could talk about later on about coming on and just dropping knowledge on folks. Uh, that yeah, would be great. Let's about that later, but let's jump into your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I don't mean to rush the show. Okay, no, okay. no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, people, sometimes people tell me my intro is too long, so I, I got to work on that. It's a little, a little bit. bit long. You say, I just have one question. Okay, I just have a second. Okay, I just have a third. I'm like, oh, come on. Where are the 34 questions? <laughs> Go ahead. There's, are there two more? Um, oh, I knew it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fifth one is how well do you know yourself? And um, if it's hard to put into words, you could do a scale from one to ten. Oh no, 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 no! I'll put it into words. I mean, I think like anyone who has really done a lot of self exploration, there are depths that I've uncovered that are profoundly deep and there are things that if I didn't have someone in my life who loved me to point it out to me I would never get it and all in between gotcha. that's why you need to always have someone around you who gives a crap about you because who else can tell you about yourself right the stranger on the street's not going to do it they don't care yeah. See? Yeah. yeah the dangerous people to me are the ones who have nobody in their life who can tell them squat that happens lots of times with very rich and powerful people. And they're surrounded by yes-sayers, you know? Mm -hmm. And they don't realize how that's to their detriment. It's ironically funny, or it's sad, whichever way you want to look at it. I got, 
I understand. You know? I understand. I don't have much sympathy, but you know, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you understand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then this last question is, what's your jam? Is it really the last? It is. A, I swear, it's the last one okay. of the intro. But what, what's your jam as far as uh, music-wise? You hear it, you just oh. in a good mood, or you know, gets you dancing, moving. I oh man, I've always thought I'm one of the most eclectic people around because I love everything. And yet, if I really had to look at it, I probably get 80% of my music from my daughter because everything she plays, I quickly shazam it, right? And then I have it. For sure. Or she's done a playlist and sent it to me. So that's where 80% comes. But in terms of my love, what I go to, I love jazz. My father instilled that in me. To me, jazz is the music you put on when you want to think. It's the music you play when you're dealing with America. It's it's so many things, mm. but it's every Friday and Saturday night to me. It's Sunday after. It's it's just it it's that jazz is cool. Now, equally in the same breath, I love R and B. I love the blues. I love rock. Mm-hmm. You know. What I've actually tried to do is make a list of song cut things I don't like because of the enormity of what I do like. It's easier to tell you what I don't. I don't really like country. Okay, <laughs> one or like I love Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell, but I can't name you ten other songs that are country. Okay, I don't like the twanging mang 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 sound <laughs> country. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just don't like it's some great storytelling, but I can't sit there to hear the story because the wang 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 gets to me first. Okay, I, got I don't you. like I don't like bagpipes. I have tried. I've even stood there and thought, well, you know, if so many people are moved by them, what are you not moved by? But they don't move me. I don't like bagpipes. I do like gamelan music. You know, so it goes different ways. I love a Caribbean beat. I love, lots of times I'll go to the world music section because I like stuff from around the world. I love gypsy music from around the world. I love a lot of different things. I've always been incredibly eclectic. Growing up, I used to have, when I had records, a lot of my records were soundtracks to movies and plays on mm, Broadway. You okay. didn't see that coming, did yeah, you? Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I could sing from the first song to the end of the last song, the entire soundtrack of the movie, of the play, not the movie, Hair. I could have sang every word. You see? That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> so eclectic, eclectic, eclectic. I am not one of those, ooh, I only this is, now I'm not a big LED person. I don't tend to like um, hard rock, like the real, what do they call it? When it's like, heavy metal <laughs> heavy metal I couldn't yeah. think of it I don't like heavy metal it hurts my ears I don't like it but other than that I think I'm pretty open for sure for sure yeah yeah I mean um, I I don't know too many people who collect soundtracks, you know, uh, that's, okay. that's different, right? Uh, but I, I know it's out there. I know they sell them and I'm always like, they're out. Oh, uh, they sell them to uh, every movie. They sell them. Yeah. For they sure. Do. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also love classic Chinese music and classic Indian music too. Hmm. Love it. You can like play it for hours. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Are those like more string? That's like more string. Yes. Um, more string. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not so much uh, singing, but more instrumental and string. For sure. For sure. Um, all right, so we made it to the main meat of the interview. Okay. <laughs> uh, feel free to shoot me a number, and we'll get it rolling from there. 
Nine. Number nine. Number nine. There's a song. Remember from the Beatles? Number nine. Number nine. No. Uh, I know a different one. Uh, the okay. Engine, engine number nine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's start with nine. All right. Um, I, this one is, who do you have major respect for? Like, who would mm. you like to pay respects to, I, I would say? Wow. I mean, on the one hand, so many people, but I'm going to actually make it a little abstract. For sure. I have so much mad respect for black children in this country. Because I'll say black and brown children in this country because for what they go through and what they deal with, their white counterparts usually don't have a clue, you see? And so I really respect that child that can process and deal with all the horrors going on and all the additional stuff they have on them, but still show up and be there and be present and try and dream and hope and laugh and dance. I have so much mad respect for children that have to deal with this horrible racist society and still show up. They're the ones who have my respect. For sure. You, um, yeah. you, you told me you were a teacher before, correct? I did. I taught kindergarten. I've taught art. I've taught. I was a substitute teacher for a while. I actually loved that. What was Believe the? It. I was gonna say. Uh, what was your favorite part working with kids? Oh, just playing, letting them be themselves. You know, yeah. not getting a lot of adults either don't really like children or want to control them. And unfortunately, there are too many like that in the school system. But for the ones who really appreciate and enjoy them they're just great to be around it's not like you got to do anything they're a great energy you know no i hear you i hear you working with kids definitely that that's how i felt working with kids I, mm-hmm. I, yeah 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 but you notice not everybody working with kids felt that way right i i did you know i i appreciated the fact that the team i was with i felt like we were on the same page about it to be honest that's but we good. weren't we weren't really teachers in the same way we were um we were the crew uh, working the after-school programs, so the kids saw us in a different light too, you know. So. <laughs> oh no! The funny thing is, the kids see everybody they deem as an adult in the same light. Hmm. Kids give like respect, mad respect across the board. I can remember when I was a little kid and thinking someone was an adult, finding out years later they're only like you know maybe ten years older than me. They weren't that much older, but when you're a kid, you're like. Whoa! The big, adult, <laughs> the big teenager, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah that is the separation from freshman to senior. I'm just like, you know, that, yes. that gap felt so wide, but now not so exactly. much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For sure. Uh throw me another number. 5. 5. What would you say is your natural talent? Ooh. I think my natural talent is storytelling. Mm. You know, when I really come down, because I love telling stories, I could sit and tell stories all day long. And even when I do my work or even when I explain things, I'm always telling stories. And that's really, that's not thinking it out. That's just like shooting off the top of my head for that answer. But yeah, storytelling. I think that's a natural talent of mine. Matter of fact, my daughter once told me, she said, you know, the reason why you can never heal is because your stories are too good. You love telling <laughs> I'm like, whoa, is this an insult or a compliment? I can't tell. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, yeah. I hope you, you found people to love to hear your stories, you know? Um, I think so, you know. For yeah. sure. How, how did you, would you say you discovered that, uh, that talent? I, I 
think it was all around me. I come from very mm. oral people. I mean, I don't, I come from a family of teachers and very oral people. I don't think I'd know how not to tell stories and be a teacher and all of that, how not to communicate. I wouldn't know how to not do that. What would you say is the importance of storytelling? Um, I've heard it said that when no one else here on earth remembers your name, you really are gone. You cease to exist. I think storytelling is the same sort of way. We keep life alive. Like I've always prided myself on being the one who collects the stories that everybody wants to forget mm. or that nobody wanted to know in the first place. And I hold, and that's, that's, that's a hard thing to sit with, trust me. But I've often felt the responsibility of being like that because I felt there were so many people who wanted to forget things, sweep it under the rug, not deal with it, all that kind of crap that I genuinely hate. So I hold the hard stories because I'm not gonna let people forget stuff. For sure. And just let you know, I appreciate that wholeheartedly, Thank so. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's keep it rolling. Throw me another number. Okay, okay, two, number two. Okay, when would you say your stream of consciousness began? You know, um, I for me, I point to my probably 11, 12-year-old self um, when I started, start, when I felt like I was worried about life instead of, you know, going through life, not even thinking about oh, it, you know? I think just said, wow, then mine might have started really. It's funny because I was actually thinking about this early this morning mm. and I was thinking about how when I was four, it was a really hard year. And when I was six, it was a really hard year. It's like I took a sabbatical at five practically. Wow. And then I started cracking myself. I was like, wow, I needed a sabbatical by five. But yeah, I kind of did because four was big. And so if you're talking about being aware of yourself, or I started seeing the dead when I was four. So it was a very big year. There was a lot going on. Yeah. I started school that year too. It just, it was a really, really big year. I think, I feel like I became very conscious at four. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You said you started seeing the dead at four? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, would you mind? What do they look like, right? <laughs> well, well, I just well, want to know what the... that story was, to be honest. <laughs> well, no, you know, I just, it wasn't like it happened in one moment. Mm. It's kind of like, I think it was always there, and I finally kind of just became aware of it. Um, the, the first thing to understand is that, and this has taken me a long time to see it, and all the metaphysical work I've done for years, everybody sees things differently. And that's the interesting thing about all the different practitioners you can go to and all that sort of thing, because it depends on what their understanding of life is. Like, for instance, I worked with a woman years ago who was raised in the Catholic system. She went to Catholic school and and she did demon work. Mm. I don't do demon work. I don't have any interest in doing demon work and it doesn't call me in any way, shape or form. But that was her thing. And she did that because that's where she could relate to it and get in on it. Okay. Mm. So I say that just to kind of put that out there. When I first started seeing the dead, and even to this day, it's not so much that I see like we see with our eyes. It's more a sense. But I was a little more open as a child and I didn't want to be scared off. So it had to come through a filter that I could respect. Mm -hmm. And for me, and and I've never heard anybody else say this, but for me, it was musicians. Hmm. So, for example, my family had a country house in Vermont, 
and we'd drive from New York City to Vermont, it took us about eight hours, we'd go there for weekends, we loved it so much. We were the third owners of this house we lived in. The second owners were this very interesting couple who had kind of kept it very old fashioned, left as it was. Mm -hmm. The original owners of the house were just, there's no other way to describe it, they were out there. They only developed the kitchen. The whole family lived in the kitchen. The children used to, and this is like probably turn of the last century, okay? The children would run around naked in the snow, only wearing boots, and the father hung himself from the kitchen. Right. right. Okay. Or the kitchen, whatever, the lamp, or the post, the beam, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's a very heavy energy to be in that house. Yeah. So yeah. when we would arrive, my family would just walk in, because they didn't see them, but they'd always be standing right there in a row, in a line, rather, in the kitchen, because that's where they lived. So we'd walk in, and I'd look at them and not say hello, and, my, and I'd apologize immediately for how rude my family was for just walking into their home, walking right past them, acting like Europeans, you know? But who I saw standing there in the kitchen with the mother, the father, and the four kids, what it looked like to my eyes was Aretha Franklin, James Brown, and the Beatles. Really? Wow. I don't know to tell you, that's how my mind works. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah. the lens that you're seeing it in. Um, yes, that's my lens. A couple questions to add on that. Indeed, uh, I'm sure more than a couple, but go yeah, ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, how important is it for someone who's looking for a home to find out about the history of the home? I would call it everything. Really? It's something that we haven't even done. I mean, well, for here, okay, no, it's trickier than that, though, because you could have a nice home that's built and it's lovely, but what about the land it's on? Yeah. And yeah. if we're really going to ask ourselves that question, let's just take it back to the beginning. Oh, did you steal a country to have it? You did? And you killed off the original people? I'm thinking it's not going to go that good for you. Gotcha. And then you steal a whole bunch of more people to build this country, and you get the money from all this genocide you've done? I don't think that's a recipe for success. So, yes, I would always, as much as you can, because sometimes you just can't know, Mm -hmm. But as much as you can, try to find out what went on there. What was there before? Was this a bear? You know, Brooklyn is a burial ground. And from when I first heard that about Brooklyn, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I see. Okay. So, yeah, you want to know. You can basically assume it was someone's land. They were probably killed for it. That's not going to go so well. But yeah. yes, if something like, you know, all those Amityville horror movies have taught us when something colossally heinous has gone down in a house probably don't want to live there. That's my thought. You can get a bunch of people to come in and blow smoke and say I'm a shaman and clean it out. Good luck. I don't think it's smart. That's my thought. So there's there, there, there wouldn't there isn't a way to, to kind of honor or try to repair or you know, it wouldn't heal. be most people. I mean it's a rare person. If you wanted to honor and repair that of course I believe anything can be done. And if you were coming with a good heart and really good intentions, anything can be cleaned. Um, with that, I'll add to maybe not anything can be clean. That's a bit extreme. I mean, if it's been something really grotesquely horrible, I would start by trying to connect with the ones who've been killed and harmed and, and do something to kind of honor their spirits. Mm-hmm. Say you're sorry, maybe. I'm sure no one's apologized. Say you're sorry. Own that. I think that would be really important. Yeah. 
And I keep thinking about, I keep, th- and I just have to throw this out no, there. No, go for it. Go ahead. I knew a woman um, who had a friend who bought a house in Stockton. You know, there were a lot of Chinese immigrants that came to Stockton. So she had an old, old house in Stockton, had a big chimney and or a big fireplace. So she wanted to try and light a fire one time if she had bought it and it wouldn't go. So she had someone come out to check on it. The original owners of the house had had Chinese servants who they got mad at and they'd killed two and stuffed them up the chimney. Oh. And that's what came down. So. That I'd use as a good example of what you're asking. Can you make it nice if it hasn't been? Um, you probably could. I just, I would do a lot of work. Like I would probably have a real funeral for those two bodies that were brought down. Gotcha. And I would probably create some corner of the house that was a permanent shrine to them to always be asking for forgiveness. For sure, for sure. And if you can't do that genuinely, don't do it is my mm. thought. Because to be in the house and be aware of that and think, eh, I don't have to do anything. I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that insight. I'm sure there's a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of folks out there who might feel that way uh, or mm-hmm. want, want to. I, I believe mm-hmm. my audience are genuine people who, uh, who would take that advice and, you know, definitely spread the word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, another question to build on that. So I feel like a lot of times there's there's kids who maybe say hello or say you know they're they're playing with someone that no one else sees you know. Oh yeah. 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 Is yeah. that? What do you think about that? <laughs> oh well, it's very real. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you. I'll do a combination of things. I'll tell you a real ghost story. I met this woman who was telling me about her son, and he was nine at the time. And she said, he's always been sensitive. And whenever adults start telling me that, I start listening real tight, because I know what's coming next. And so she goes, yeah, he's very sensitive. He, he can see the dead. I said, oh, I believe you. I believe that. She goes, oh, OK. And then once someone feels comfortable with you, they'll tell you more. So she told me this story about how his name was Tony. Her son, Tony, was always playing. And this little girl would always visit him when he played. She was we use the term imaginary, okay? Yeah, yeah, we do. The ghost is what it was, okay? I don't know imaginary about it. She was a ghost. But anyway, she would come and play with him. And then one day, she did just like this. She stopped playing. She stood up, and she looked at him, and then right in front of his eyes, she started aging rapidly. And she went up to, like, the age of a grown woman. That freaked him out. And she st- and he ran out of the room and tripped on the steps coming down and tumbled down the stairs. And at the time, his mother was talking on the phone with his dad. And so she went over, picked up her son, she's comforting him, and he was saying something about Pud. Pud just grew up. Pud just grew up right in front of my eyes. And this little friend of his, he called Pud. And so she starts asking her husband about this, and the husband flips out because his sister, when she was a teenager, had gotten pregnant and given birth to a little girl who died at three, and they called her Pud. Whoa. So Pud used to come play with her nephew, who yeah. didn't know this on, and then she'd let him see one time, see, this is all full me. It can freak you out. It would freak a lot of people out. I'm sure of that. But that's your little age. I think that covers a lot of ground on all the things you were asking about. In terms of imaginary friends, no, I don't think they're mad. I think those are children who can see ghosts, and we haven't figured that out yet enough. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, we, does does that ability go away as we get older, or? 
oh, I think we kill it. Mm. It's not that it goes away. It goes away because we kill it. There are too many people who tell you this isn't real, and then you feel suspect if you keep on choosing to believe it. So you drop it and you join the crowd. I got you. All babies, as far as I'm concerned, all babies can see on all dimensions. Now, depending on your culture, your practices, all that, we start chopping it down, killing it, cutting it off as they grow and start to speak to us. Oh, I saw that, that, that. Well, no, no, you didn't see because no one's there. I see. A very rare person will be like, no, I saw it. That's just not your average three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they trust you to tell them the truth and just, and they trust you to, if you didn't know something, to be honest enough, say, you know, I don't know a thing about what you're going through right now, but I'm not going to diminish your experience because I don't understand it. Hello, parents don't answer like that. So here we are. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you for sharing. That story was crazy. Yeah. And like just your thank insight, you. review on it for sure. Yeah. Um, I think Pick I, a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Eight. Oh, no, you know what? Stop. Hold on. I've been doing all these little low numbers. Let me choose something big. Okay. 23. 23. Yeah. Let's see. What does the perfect day look like for you? Like, what does Ooh. your morning look like, your afternoon, and your night, if you could build it <sighs> out in your head? Yeah, I can tell you real easy. I haven't had a perfect day in a long time. My perfect day, I am one of those. I like to wake and bake. I'm just going to say it. I do. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a great sativa first thing in the morning with like a cup of coffee or a great tea. Yum, yum, yum. Fun, fun, fun. So I'd wake and bake, blaze, and then I'd make art. I'd get lost in it. And then I probably play with my plants for a while. And all the while, I might be dancing around. But then the second I got tired, I would take a luscious nap. And then I'd go, I'd order in Asian food that night. That would be a perfect day. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm curious, what's your favorite Asian food? What's your like go-to dish? Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> this, is so, this is this. Oh, no. That's good. Or do you have uh, a restaurant that you would recommend? Okay. Because I don't know. Okay. My favorite restaurant is not in the city that I live in. Mm. I love this place called Penang. It was Malaysian food. I love Malaysian food because it brings many things together. And I don't really like the way the Chinese do curry. But I love, but, but then Indians don't have noodles. And so it's like getting all the right things. But Malaysian food brings it together. And the curry they do reminds me of what my Guyanese grandmother used to make. I love Malaysian food. I equally love Vietnamese, I equally love Indian, and I love Japanese, and I love Thai, but I discovered Burmese. Oh, baby! <laughs> here in town, Burma love. They even know how to name their stuff correctly. Burma love. Burma love. What it does to your tongue is brilliant. That's in the city? Burma yes. love? Okay. Burma, okay. You, know, you have them in Burma? Oh, oh no. I am, um, yeah, yeah. Online, and everybody there is Asian, so you know it's good. Come on. For sure. Okay? For, I'm going to definitely check it out. It's, all, it's on my list now. It's on my list. It's, okay, wait, let me tell you where it is. Bermuda. It's right. Oh, it's on Valencia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. By the mission area-ish? Yes, dude. Okay. Yeah, hey, yeah. What's your favorite, now that we're asking, what's your favorite restaurant? My favorite restaurant... Um, let me think about that. Honestly, I'm I'm a, I'm a burrito guy. So I like Are you really? Yeah. Really? I'm, a, I'm a burrito guy. <laughs> it might it might be a little lazy, but uh <laughs> I uh, 
but yeah, I'm a burrito guy. Um, you have you been to the burrito sushi place downtown? Sushi rito. Sushi rito, yes. Yes, yes, definitely been there. <clears throat> I, I love their stuff. You like it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. it's, it's a giant sushi, so it's it's, it's a yeah. giant sushi. What's not to like? Exactly. Yeah. But have you tried a taco ria? T a c o r e a. No, I haven't. Yeah, I just discovered. Uh, or yeah, I found out about that place maybe a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Uh, they, they they had a kimchi burrito that was really good, um, okay. and and I think uh, like yeah, I'm definitely supporting that place as much as I can. Now. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. good vibes in there good vibes mm -hmm. um it's on yeah. broadway like around that area okay. yeah yeah cool yeah nice for sure um tell me another number okay okay uh 27 do you believe in aliens <laughs> yeah i am one how can i not believe in myself i got you i got you i mean so i think there are a lot more hybrids walking around than we know Interesting. I really and I also think aliens come in forms that our little narrow consciousness can't even think of. It could be a speck on the table and it's an alien. You think it's a crumb. Wow. We're, yeah, we're yeah. We're such size queens, you know? We're such size queens. Think of Horton Hears a Who, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know, the fact that now they have to admit they're aliens, it's like, why is this taking so long? It's the stupidest notion in the world. You really are. You have the sensibilities of a grain of sand. If you can't understand, we're not the only things here in the universe. Period. I, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, I, come on. I think most people. I think most people are open to that idea. I, you yeah. know, I haven't really come yeah. across anybody that says, "Nah, we're the only people." That's. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, maybe I just haven't had that conversation with anybody that, that views it that way, but we'll yeah. find out. Um, so do you think they've been here since the beginning of time? Or, oh, or... yeah, before that and after, yeah, and all through. Yep. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, um, oh, I'll tell you an interesting story. I was doing a reading one time for this woman. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, uh, it was a double reading because it was her and her partner. And so we all held hands and said a prayer. It was her turn. And I find when I hold hands and pray with people, I'll often see things. And so we, I close my eyes, and suddenly I'm in like a 1920s kind of infirmary. It's, a little, it's not a hospital, but it's a definite uh, infirmary room, but it's an older one. And all of a sudden, everything is so hard to describe. Because it's like, imagine everything you're looking at right now suddenly being a curtain that someone could pull aside. So I'm looking at this infirmary room and all of a sudden the whole room gets pulled aside like a curtain and this alien stares at me. And I go, go! And then I start talking to Spirit. I'm like, Spirit, I, I, I knew I shouldn't have done the reading. I knew I should have gone on sermon. Spirit's like, ask her about aliens. I really don't want to, Spirit. Spirit says, ask her about aliens. So we all open our eyes and I look at her and say, um, do you have something to do with aliens? And she went pasty on. She said, yeah, they wake me up at night. They follow me around. I'm like, whoa, so I didn't want to see that, but I did. So there we go, that's aliens, hello. Wow, <laughs> wow, that makes me think now if, uh, what if there's aliens in my thoughts, you know? Like, and I just don't know. Right, you know? know, popping in and taking a look, yep. Yeah, that's crazy. They want to go, they're powerful. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, I guess, you know, something you probably know about already or have heard about is um, how 
like we've had civilizations you know they, they talked about the dinosaurs and then mankind but even before the dinosaurs like i came across something that was about how there were like human civilizations and i thought about you know they talked about the ice age affecting not the entire world but maybe like a good portion but then there's a portion of the world or an area of the world that was still you know inhabitable and like yeah i, I was just thinking maybe that's why one of the oldest the oldest um countries that we have or the ones that we have a lot a long record of like I would say China is one of them. I feel like they have a lot of documents and a lot of like history that they they still refer to from way back. Um, maybe even India, like their scripts. Well, and, in uh, Africa, you know, in yeah. Africa, life started. You had then this again. We haven't been taught this on a large enough scale. But yeah, you yeah. had a university in Timbuktu, and whites were still in caves picking lice off their backs. You know. For yeah. sure. Yeah, the university. We invented zero. We were doing things. <laughs> For sure. Zero wasn't a concept. We invented it. Yes. And um, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> a part of that was uh, how maybe th those older older civilizations had it mm -hmm. had the right view as far as like because we see things from Africa and South America um, mm -hmm. and you know just different areas of the world like. Yeah, anyways, I guess that's a different <laughs> topic it's a, Yeah, comedy. you're going a bunch of places yeah, yeah. on that. But yeah, yeah. to answer your question, though, I think of Hinduism that views it all as like one big wheel. And we've all been here before again. And so I think it has created, blown up, recreated, blown up, recreated, blown up many, 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 many times. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Sure. Um, we have about 10 more minutes. We can oh, knock okay. out a couple more questions. Okay, let's go 25. 25. Did I say that one yet? No. 25. No, not yet. Not yet. What's the best memory you have with either friends or family? Oh, wow. Oh, that's... Wow. Oh. You know, my... It, it's funny. I don't really... It's hard. I'm trying to answer too many things at once. But what I guess what I'm trying to say is my best, best, best thoughts are going to be like the simplest or my best memories are the really simple ones. And it might have just been like lying on a bed when my daughter's a baby and really just kind of taking in her. That's a great one, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I can remember. Yeah. I mean, very, very simple profoundly important ones are just the, the easiest and simplest to recall and for me they're always going to involve my daughter at some point in her life you know mm -hmm. but and it's so fun. the other night on sunday we went out to oakland to visit some dear friends of ours because their little girl one girl was turning four and the other one had a birthday the month before so we wanted to take the little one dinosaurs and the big one lego because that's what she loves and we went and we, we brought fruit and we had cookies and we just had a nice time as we were coming home in the uber we both were very silent and you know it's just a quiet time of night it was cold and we're huddled in this car and the whole time i kept thinking about how blessed we were and just how lovely our lives were and how wonderful was that we were being sped home in this fabulous piece of machinery and we had been with loving hearts that day. Just the simplest, best things. That's the best. And it just happened the other day. And 50 other memories like that. Or 100. I hear you. It's Yeah. The simple moments are sometimes the best yes. for sure. Yes. Yeah. The Yeah. Would you, uh, would you say, do you have any traditions that are unique to your family or like with your friends? Um, no, 
No. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. No, no, I mean, for I sure. Come up with them, but no, I don't think I have. I'll tell you one little tradition my daughter and I've had since the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. We do this little ritual where whenever anyone, when either one of us is going outside, we always tell the other one, "Be safe." And it's funny because you can be getting ready to go outside. We say, "Okay, bye, see you later." You'll be doing something, and you get and you hear quiet. And you just look over, and one of us is standing at the door, just watching the other one. You say, "Oh, be safe," and then we go. Gotcha. <laughs> we always tell each other, "Be safe." My daughter could be on a Zoom. I'll be getting her at the door. She'll like, be safe, and then go back to her Zoom. <laughs> so we have this little tradition of telling each other to be safe. That's dope. And that that came from uh, that, that was COVID. during COVID time. Yeah, I got started you. last March. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well. Uh, yeah, give me another number. Oh, we got time for another. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. 34. 34. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, let's see. What, what would you say is the greatest gift you've received? Oh, I'm, I'm my daughter. For yeah. sure. The, I started seeing her when I was 14. And then I gave birth to her 10 years later. And 14 months before she was born, her father thought of her name. And then she was born 14 months later. I know she was really, really supposed to have come into this life. I know we've traveled together before. I know we'll travel together again. But in this life, at this time, I'm so honored for her to be my daughter. And I didn't want any other kids. I didn't see any other ones, just her. Wow. That's awesome. You said you saw her at 14? Yeah, I just yeah. started, I was daydreaming. And I, and I would always daydream about this little girl who was not my complexion. And I would just think about her all the time. And the year before that, I made a clay bust of a man's face. And that was the face of her father, who I met and married <laughs> later. So I just make up whatever I want in my life, you see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess, what was that? I can't remember the word for it, but uh, I guess when you speak, in, speak things to existence or manifesting, you, manifesting, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How does one do that? Effortlessly and without a lot of thought. What you do is you ask when you were a little kid. You say, "I want ice cream." You ask like that. Say, "I want something," and then you say, "Thank you." That's really important because saying "thank you" is your understanding that because you asked for it, you'll get it. And you then, the most important part, after you ask for it and say thank you, then start acting as if you already have it. This is what brings it to you. And that's manifesting. It doesn't have to be made any more complicated than that. For sure. That's it. Ask for it. Believe you'll get it because you ask. Say thank you because you believe you're going to get this. And then act like you got it and watch it arrive. All right. All right. I like those and steps. Start with little things. Start with something unimportant. Like, I hope someone, you know, does this today, or I hope I hear this song today. Okay. Start with something really small and insignificant and build up and watch it work. I'm going to try it. I got to write those steps I hope down. You do. Yeah. Let me know how it works for you. Will do. Um, and we've got came to the last question. It is a closeout okay. question. Okay. Um, and it is what is the greatest lesson you've learned thus far? Love is the most important thing in the world. Period. 
when like Jimi Hendrix said when the power of love is greater than the love of power we'll know peace so we have to learn about learn more about love because we don't seem to know that much about it we make it um provisional and transactional that's mm-hmm. not love <laughs> what do you think is the biggest barrier for for people to to maybe come to that realization for themselves fear fear of what they perceive themselves as losing or not being able to have i got gotcha. you i got gotcha. you yeah i think that's a, a good good way to end it um i think it is too thank you for your time floor uh this was an amazing thank conversation you, yeah this is great i'd love to do it again if you're open to it uh, of course i will definitely reach out to you um and yeah, I think the, there could be a segment where you drop knowledge on us, you know, because I, I, like, I feel like you're a teacher. So I'm sure okay. you, <laughs> you'll always <laughs> be doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for your time again. Um, and I shall. 